Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky. And chatting with us today, we've got Dan Mandelo, who is the CEO and co-founder of Rank Really High. Welcome aboard, Dan. Pleasure to be here. So, Dan, uh, Rank Really High, it's a bit different from a lot of our other guests in that you are a service provider to companies in the industry, but your background is in digital marketing. It is. Uh, most specifically, automotive digital marketing has been um, my career for most of my life. Right. So you've gone from helping companies sell cars online to help basic companies reach consumers who want to buy cannabis-related products. That's exactly right. What's that transition been like? Well, you know, it, when I came out of automotive and, and going into cannabis, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a website. We're going to display inventory from a POS that feels really familiar. We'll use Google Analytics. We'll do things with paid search and, and Google advertising. I would it doesn't say, work that way. It doesn't work that way. I would say about <laughs> two, three weeks in, I realized that most of my playbook would need to be rewritten or scrapped and started over. So, you know, a lot of trial by fire, but we uh, we figured it out, I think, in, in many regards. Still yeah, you know, on. I don't yeah. know if the playbook really changes in terms of the fundamentals are the same. It's more the way you have to apply through the process in steps. There's providers who are challenging, but at the end of the day, they still want this to consume the same core information. Yeah, I mean, the goal remains the same, right? Like, we're still trying to get the right eyeballs to the website and get them to yep. make take action on that website in the form of purchasing uh, cannabis products. Yeah, and, you know, when, <clears throat> I mean, you're, you've are you faced different challenges also with how you can do paid advertising. What are the restrictions you're running into and what do you see is changing? Oh, you know, it's... It seems to be getting more lax finally. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to stand on my milk crate here and, and say that I think that it's wrong that some of these platforms are allowing uh, alcohol companies to advertise and gambling and gaming companies to advertise. And, and both and those three things have done in, unquestionably more harm to the American public and world than I think a, a non-habit forming plant has done. But yep. nonetheless, I mean, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, they all group cannabis in the same kind of classification as methamphetamines, opioids, crack cocaine, heroin. I mean, there's literally a page on Google's guidelines called dangerous services and products. And there's things like guns and explosives on it. And if you scroll down far enough, you'll find recreational drugs. And sure enough, cannabis is right there next to crack cocaine. Uh, you know, there's the views on how cannabis is handled by law enforcement and by uh, government as a whole. I don't think there's much argument that it's uh, you know out of out of whack with the reality of the marketplace. And of course, we've both dealt with a lot of the firms in Silicon Valley, and Silicon Valley is known and recognized, and you know as being heavy consumers of a lot of substances. And then they turn around and limit our access, but that's because they're trying to keep the rest of their business free and clear. But you know, as an operator, you still need to have your analytics. You need to get your data. You need to understand why people are coming to your site. What are they really looking for when they're making their purchases and how they're going about it and how they're passing through your site to, to garner that information. What are the challenges you have to deal with that are different for a cannabis operator in terms of in their setup? Do they have to spend differently? Do they have to allocate time differently? What do they need to plan for if they've been in a different industry, now they're looking to open up a cannabis business it's going to be different. What do they have to prepare for and where are they going to need help? Well, in my great question, in my experience, the only constant in cannabis, specifically in cannabis advertising is change. That's the only constant. I mean, 
you have to be, you have to have a backup plan for your backup plan because, you know, for whatever reason, at some point, one or more of your social media profiles is going to be taken down, suspended, shadow banned, however, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you're running Google advertising, you're probably going to get away with it for a little bit, maybe not, but it's eventually going to have issues that you're going to need to deal with. So having a really good disaster recovery um, plan is really something I would recommend to dispensary operators, businesses, even cannabis brand operators. I think they all really need to look into backup plans for their for their core advertising and marketing strategies. I think, you know, one of the other major holes in the industry right now, and, you know, it's holding back a lot of really precious data is the fact that 80% or greater of the industry right now, probably much greater than 80% are, are using iframe technology to display and commerce their menu online and right you know iframes are great in the sense that they're really easy to install platform non-specific and you know they're typically pretty secure but they have tremendous limitations in terms of visibility to search engines from an indexing standpoint i know some of the companies out there are addressing that but i still think that there's a lot of limitations there certainly it doesn't <laughs> feel like that iframe experience belongs to the to the retail website it sits on and yep. then it's really hard to capture that core audience data that every other industry like relies on in order to find their audience outside of just their website and market to them programmatically through search, through social. I mean, we're really putting ourselves in a corner in terms of, of what data we're able to collect and make use of. Yeah. And getting access to the core data of how people are, you know, getting to your site became a lot more difficult over the years. I built an analytics company many years ago and you know clients like uh, Nordstrom and Macy's and Salesforce and you know eBay and whatnot using it and we had phenomenal insights into consumer behavior and you know amazing track record and discovering fraud and and behavioral targeting opportunities and whatnot that's become a lot more difficult in terms of the visibility into the consumer before they get to your site but the challenge you're outlining is once the search engines get to your site, they're hungry. They're trying to they're trying to send people to you based on what you tell them about, and you're giving them blank information if you're using the wrong formats, which a lot of you know retailers do. How do you suggest they work around that? Yeah, so I mean, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, many of the major platforms out there, Dutchy, iHeartJane, they offer APIs which are accessible to a very small population of dispensaries able to, you know, build an erect and program out of the iframe and build their own website yep. solution. We, we saw that very early in, you know, we, we went to Dutchy first and said, hey, you know, we know you're like the, the giant in e-commerce here. We don't want to use iframes. What do you have for us? And they said, hey, we have this API solution. We, they were, I think they originally had built it as a one-off solution for larger MSOs who said, we're saying things probably, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm guessing here, I'm not really sure what the story is, but my my mind tells me that, that an MSO or a large prolific dispensary probably reached out to them and said, hey, we're unhappy because our menu looks the same as the guy down the street, and we probably want to get more SEO out of, out of our menu and what we're yep. doing in our POS, and they built it as like a one-off solution, I think, originally. We took a look at that and said, this is like a car inventory feed. Myself mm -hmm. and all my co-founders are from the automotive industry. We looked at that and said, okay, this is a scale play for us. And mm -hmm. that's how Rank really high addressed it. But there are, there are solutions out there. And I know that Jane and Dutchie have also made uh, solutions to make the, their, iframe, their iframe more searchable, more crawlable. And they seem to have some success with that. But I, I still think <laughs> that the major problem here is that the fact that the e-commerce the e seems to be separate and, and not completely married to the actual website it sits in. 
which makes for a very frustrating and hard uh, experience for the consumer. So I think it's a, there's a lot of different tragedies that come out of the iframe story there. But at, at the same time, we're making cannabis accessible via online is definitely the biggest challenge. And I think that they've all solved that in the best way they could at the time. But it's time for us all to grow up and mature and, and find ways to become more productive with our data. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as the business operator, I mean, I consult with a lot of companies on various aspects around this, you know, at different times. And you don't really care. You just want to know, tell me what to do next to fix the problem. Exactly. Right. You just want to get, I want my customer to be able to walk in the door, pick up the product they want, pay and get out of here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there really are three different aspects to that. And people, you know, tend to focus on one or the other. You've got your customer acquisition side, which, you, you know, you talked about SEO, there's, you know, search engine marketing and PPC, which of course has its challenges around cannabis. You've got your entire digital marketing strategy because you've got social, you've got your content that has to be created and pushed out there, you name it. You've got your on-page experience where people are going to come and learn about what they're doing and they're going, you arrive at a website and if it looks but ugly, you're not buying anything, you're moving on. If it looks good, you're going to be more interested. And then you've got your checkout and your shopping cart and people and the delivery, either pickup or delivery. And that's another piece. What I'd like to do is when we have to do take a short break, but let's break down each of those parts when we come back as to what people are really looking for, where they're focusing and where they're missing along the way. We're going to be back in a moment with Dan Mondello from Rank Really High on I'm Richard's Wiki. And we're back with Dan Mondello from Rank Really High. And Dan, just for the break, we're talking a bit about the different elements. And, you know, iframes is one thing, but you really have your customers, you've got your acquisition strategy, which SEO, PPC, your content marketing, you name it, your links people used to go crazy about. That's important. You can get a funnel. It's different with anything in cannabis than it is with other areas because of the limitations that we do run into. And we can come back to that. You get to the site, it has to look good, it has to be appealing, the content has to be there. And that's part of where you're running into some iframes issues where the search engines aren't really seeing it. So how do you work around that? And then the checkout process has to be really seamless. Where are people spending their time and what are they missing more often than not? Because of course, conversion optimization covers all of it, but it needs all the parts to work right. Biggest issue I see right now is really the homepage. I mean, we can go into the, into the minutia of, you know, this is the, probably one of the only industries where the website and the e-commerce that's on that website are not the same thing. Yeah, we can go into that later. That's a detail. The, the homepage, go to any place where you shop online, Amazon, Walmart, Best Buy, Target, Woes. I mean, go to any place where you bought something online before and take a look at their homepage. It's going to be right. showing you seasonal offers, promoting deals, incentives, things that make sense for the season to buy. I mean, a couple of weeks ago it was back to school. Now it's fall flavors and flannels. And, you know, all of these retailers do it the exact same way. They have live inventory on the homepage, a search bar at the top. And instead of asking me to find the most convenient location to myself, all of them use some sort of geolocation technology to determine and establish which physical retail spot is closest to me so that I don't yep. have to go through all those headaches. 
most dispensaries I see out there have an over-designed homepage that fails on all fronts to deliver a expected e-commerce experience that a customer would have in any other industry. Most, if not all, lack live inventory. Most, if not all, require you as a customer to find the closest location, which is a pain in the butt. And very few of them have specials, bundles, whatever you want to call it, deals promoted effectively as early as the homepage. And that is a unique challenge yep. to the uh, cannabis industry that needs to be solved. Um, you know, as an experiment about a year ago, you know, we've been, we have a pretty robust integration with Jane and Dutchie, and we're about to announce a few new integrations shortly. We, we had a way to post the uh, specials content from Dutchie and Jane and build pages off of it that were unique, unique to those specials, as well as have a grouped specials page. We thought to ourselves, hey, you know what? Let's toss the link deals in the navigation and just see what happens. We did this on Cape Cod Cannabis uh, right. two, two Aprils ago. Within 10 days, it was the fourth most trafficked page on the entire website, which was not surprising because, you know, no one wants to overpay in any industry. Yep. Everyone's looking for a deal. And, you know, one of the things about cannabis that's really interesting is people still want recommendations. It's still a very young industry for consumers. You know, back in the day, you'd order cannabis and some person would show up at your at your house or wherever, your apartment, and have one strain to offer you. This is well, the and the buyers are becoming more sophisticated in general because, you know, there's the recuse is the recuse and people are looking, you know, for that for products that they're going to get a buzz from. But people who are looking for anything medical, they're becoming more specific in what they're trying to address. They're understanding that the plant can be used for a myriad of different ailments and they need the right solution because it's not just cannabis, it's particular varietals of cannabis or it's different delivery methods, you know, be it a topical or an edible as opposed to a smokable. All that is becoming more and more obvious to the consumer. They're becoming more sophisticated. I had this very this very interesting conversation with Todd Sullivan from Canapreneur Partners a few months yep. back, and he told me something that blew my mind. I'm going to misquote him, so please, I mean, this is a paraphrase of that conversation. He told me that they've done studies out there that 50% of medical cannabis is bought by people who are at the dispensary for a medical reason, and the other 50% are there for you know just getting a deal for medical weed. Um, yep. The the recreational users is really the interesting one. He's hidden in their findings, 75% of people at a recreational dispensary are there for a medical reason, whether it be sleep and injury yep. that they're trying to deal with or some other medical related ailment that they're trying to cure through a, through marijuana. Yep. That blew my mind and, and put me on this new track that Rank really has really focused on, which is, you know, let's not just only focus on deal creation and putting our, our lowest price products up first. Let's try to help consumers find new cannabis skews through experiential searches so what we've determined is people take um pharmaceutical solutions for sleep focus yep. and pain and anxiety every day of their life and yep. those are four major areas that cannabis products whether it be tinctures or topicals or whatnot can help address so one of the things that Rampley has really focused on in our homepage experience now is promoting that because if we're just going to focus on price, it's a race to the bottom of it. I've seen it in automotive yep. for the last 10 years. In we every industry, it's the same, right? You, you're never going to win long-term based on price. You might, you might get a kick for a week, but it's not going to matter beyond that. Absolutely. Finding ways to get consumers to try new cannabis products, ones that they haven't considered before, and adopting a, a cannabis-enriched light. That's the kind of consumer we're trying to build out of our technology and out of our strategy that we're using. 
Right. And, you know, that it's very true. A lot of people who go in for, you know, they go in, they're labeled as recreational user. They've been longtime users who know what they're looking for there and they've got particular ailments or solutions in mind. They're not all uh, just people looking to get high. But, you know, there are some and that's fine. I think, you know, it's a viable marketplace. And it's, we all consumed at various points for that or most people did for, you know, for that reason. Um, but when people apply a program like yours, I mean, you've got some data, I'm sure, that shows, you know, what's the change in sales in terms of in-store sales versus online sales and orders after three months, six months in a year by through the proper optimization of the flow of a website, both from in terms of customer acquisition, but also conversion rate optimization? Yeah, that's a great question. It's really, <laughs> and it's a really complicated answer, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of times our, our biggest successes come from taking a well-run dispensary on an iframe and putting them on our native e-commerce solution. And, right. and a lot and sometimes that dispensary will have had their Google an Analytics turned on with Jane or Dutch, whoever e-commerce they're working with. And we can see some of their before and after sales data more often than not. This is a feature that's not enabled by most dispensaries. So it's really hard to know exactly where they're coming from. You have to pour through spreadsheet after spreadsheet to figure out whether their sales data was or whether right. the e-commerce rate was. What we typically have seen is when you go from a, a, a website that includes e-commerce to a website that is fully e-commerce or what we call e-commerce first, we typically see around a 20% e-commerce conversion rate. That's sometimes lower for medical for, for a litany of reasons, but we typically run around a 20% e-commerce conversion rate. We typically see around a 12% lift in sales. And we attribute a lot of that to the fact that we've made the website more visible, more sticky, more indexable, sure. But we're also not just focusing on the menu portions of the SEO. We're also looking into nearby locations and that local search component that seems to be so easily missed for, for a lot of retailers. So we're seeing a lot more eyeballs on our websites and we're trying to make a more engaging experience for them. Right. And then, you know, we're also trying to upsell them. We're trying to show them additional products they wouldn't have considered. Yeah, we're typically running around a 12% sales lift in the, in the, in the first few months of, of working with a dispensary. And that's the average dispensary. We have dispensaries who have done significantly greater than that. There's of one we've doubled, we've doubled sales of some of our more uh, proactive dispensaries. In fact, you know, the ideal client for Rankly High is not the one who wants to sit back and have us do all the work. It's the one who wants to roll their sleeves up, get proactive, learn from us, and then take over and build the website that they wanted to build for their brand and now have the technology oh, to do it with. Absolutely, because the you know the domain owner, the company person who owns the the company and you know the dispensary, they know their product better than any of us, and they just need the help to figure out how to get the message out there better. It was you know it was like when I did uh, you know the optimization and put together the strategy for Britannica years ago. And Encyclopedia Britannica used to be huge in selling books door to door. And that dried up with, uh, and they were like, well, what do we do about this Wikipedia thing? And, you know, it, it changes the dynamic, but you can, you know, and we went, they went from like 3,000 visitors a day, which was unbelievable that they were doing that poorly. Um, they were actually one of the lowest volume sites when they came to us that we, I was dealing with. And, uh, you know, I had them at three quarters of a million a day within a very short few weeks and then kept building from there and uh, did the same with a big telco. But it was the right type of customer. And one of the things that I've found with a lot of retailers, which has been incredibly helpful, and, but 
you know, I don't have the data, but I'd love to know if you've got it is there's one, there's an aspect about client acquisition, which is incredibly important. You know, we need, to, we need those sales to, to drive and to pay for the whole program. But the other part that people need to look at is what's the change in terms of the in-store relationship with customers? Are you able to, to handle more customers coming through because they know what they're looking for? You're not having to spend as much time explaining the product. They've researched it and learned about it through the site. Are you finding some behavioral differences, which means they aren't necessarily only the 12% gain in revenue, they're actually a lowering of the overall cost because the time spent with each customer is more efficient. We are 100% seeing that, especially since we started to put some of these effects-driven initiatives in place. We're also finding that we're hearing from our customers that once a customer who's pre-ordered is in the store, they're more easy to upsell because they're more informed on what the products are. I'll give you an example from automotive. Sure. You know, my dealer principal back when I was a director of marketing at a large car um, auto group, Yep. Said to me, hey, we want to sell more F&I, finance and insurance products. We want to sell more tire and wheel insurance. We want to sell all of these after-sell products that are typically not introduced to the customer until they've already bought the car, learned what their payment is, and then all this stuff is introduced to them after. Yep. We, we had this theory that like maybe if we started talking about the value of F&I products on the, as early as the website and in emails and during the prospecting and, and lead phase, that perhaps would be an easier sell. We were able to, within 90 days, lift our F&I penetration by about 30%. So there's 100% a correlation between educating the customer up front and seeing an end result in your cash register. Yeah. And it's, it would be great to see hard data around that because that goes you know, a long way with the individual operators to understand why they need to engage these programs and how it's not just, you know, oh, I'm not just getting an SEO strategy. I'm actually getting a complete strategy which helps me improve my business as a whole because it is, you know, digital marketing and people talk about SEO, really, if it's done right, it is a, you know, it is part of your marketing strategy, but beyond just how I'm going to get customers, it's what products am I carrying? How do I run the business more efficiently? And how do I grow based on what the consumer is asking for, not just what I think they want? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, those, that type of insight, I mean, that's a phenomenal piece that you bring back to the businesses as a whole. Well, that's our entire focus. It's all about retail, retail focus and e-commerce first, which is very different from what we're seeing in the market space. I mean, if you operate your business like it's target.com, there's a reason why all of these major businesses have website aesthetics that are almost identical to one another. It's because they've put forth the research, they've spent the money to understand and analyze and they've realized that this is the most impactful, most effective way to sell someone something on the internet. So yep. adopting from what we've seen big retail do, and I would even have, I would even encourage dispensaries to take a look at their local car dealership websites. Nine times out of nine times out of ten, they're going to find that that's a very different experience than the one that they have on their own website. Focusing less on the aesthetics, less on the weird visuals, and more on the hey, these are the cool products that people seem to like in our store. Here's the ones our bud tenders like, and here's what we what we have on special. You're going to see an immediate change in, in the velocity of sales going through your cash register and POS system. You are. You're gonna. You're gonna learn so much more. You know, it's customer insights which become actionable and tell you how to how to operate your business more efficiently. And it's a phenomenal listening tool that unfortunately gets um, ignored far too often or not voiced early enough in the process. Dan, we're gonna have to take one more short break, but we'll be back in just a minute with Dan Mandelo from Rank Really High. I'm Richard Zwicky.
just a quick drink. Dan, in the last segment, is there an area that you really want to chat about that we haven't got to? Um, you know, no, I mean, I think we've hit most of the points. I'm happy to just freestyle or, or whatever you you had in mind. I mean, I, I feel like I got out the material I wanted to get out today for sure. Okay. Okay. I'll come back. I'm happy and to go we're... Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm happy to go deeper into Google advertising if, if you want as well. I know that that's a pretty hot topic for dispensaries and we are. Yeah, actually, I was thinking of going in there anyways and all, and some of the problems people face with Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, okay. And we're back with uh, Dan Mandela from Rank Really High. And Dan, you know, we've we've covered a lot of ground about the uh, different aspects of your digital strategy, but also how you co companies and canvas operators and dispensaries really need to think about it as a better way to listen to their consumer. But then we turn back to the customer acquisition side, and you know, I've people try Amazon, and it's a nightmare because they keep delisting products because they have the letter CBD in them, even though they're allowed under their terms in certain conditions at certain times, but they keep changing their mind. But Google also is a nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. And Google's a nightmare for anybody in digital marketing because they're always changing how you do things and what you're supposed to do. And you know they're doing it as part of their method of keeping ahead of people who are trying to black hat or find new ways to improve without going through the process. But for cannabis operators, we're dealing with additional dynamics and what are the big problems that you're running into and what are some solutions that you bring to people that help them resolve that because it's not just we can all list the problems people want solutions yeah absolutely and believe me like when i told you earlier in the segment that uh i came in thinking i had this great playbook and i had to tear my playbook in half within a few weeks i mean the big part of that was google and microsoft's paid search advertising i thought like we'd come in here and run inventory the same way a used car dealer would run inventory through Google advertising via API. And it's just, it's, we are doing that. It took some time to get there, but uh, yeah, it's really challenging. I mean, some of the successful strategies that I've seen, and it, I, I, All right, we're back with Dan Mandela from Rank Really High. And Dan, you know, before the break, we we're chatting a bit about your customer acquisition strategy using the various search platforms and digital marketing channels and how businesses really need to do a great job listening to their online consumer to help guide, you know, their in-store experience and to help smooth and improve revenue. But going back to the customer acquisition side, you know, Amazon's a nightmare to deal with, and a lot of retailers trying to add on channels, but it's it's horrific when you're dealing with CBD. And then Google and Microsoft and all the other um, display advertisers and paid search channels, they have their own issues. What are some things you bring to people, and what are some specific things you've done that help people get through those hurdles? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I told you earlier that when I came into cannabis from the automotive space, I thought I'd bring, I'd be coming with this great playbook I developed in automotive and be able to just implement it in cannabis. And that I found out very quickly that was not the case, particularly with regard to Microsoft and Google search advertising. I get to tear it in half almost immediately. Yeah. Um, the regulations that Microsoft, Google, and others have put together do not prevent advertisers from advertising. CBD, THC products, they encourage them to be deceptive with the search engine because they still need to run their business successfully and generate a revenue. So 
what we've seen, and this is pretty unique to, this is not unique to Ranked Really High. I'm just going to list off a couple strategies we've seen that seem to be impactful and effective and sustainable for a little while at least. Right. Is to build a second website and debrand it. Make sure you pull off any mention of THC, cannabinoids, you know, anything that would indicate that this is absolutely a cannabis product. That includes visual cues, the pictures of, of uh, cannabis leaves. I mean, you basically strip your entire, you basically clone and strip your entire website down to the bare nuts and bolts of it and remove all the content it would say to a customer, this is a place that sells cannabis. And that does seem to work for a very limited amount of time. Uh, then marrying that landing page experience to a stripped down uh, search ad experience, like not using the word cannabis or marijuana or dispensary, uh, that seems to be the, mo the, the most sustainable way to do it. But it's really hard to tell a customer, hey, come buy pot from me when you're not dis exclusively saying, hey, I sell pot. Well, that, that's what I was, you know, I was about to say, if you're not, if you've got a website and you're actually able to say, this is my product, what's the value? And how are, how are you getting the customer then in the door to buy the right product? So we because found a loop. Sorry. It's not all going to be euphemisms. It is. And, you know, and I hate that. that that's, a, that's an an agency mentality is to use colorful language to illustrate a point. I like to get directly to the point. So rather than focus on the product, which Google has made very clear, you cannot advertise the product. We choose to focus on the retailer because they don't have as much language about hey, you can't, you can prevent a retailer from selling something. So we talk about store, we talk about purchase, we talk about things like that, we talk about loyalty programs, and that seems to crawl under the radar. It still suggests the place where you can transact, and we're only bidding on terms that someone looking for a dispensary nearby would use, but we're right. using ad copy that lets them know this is absolutely a retail location, and not necessarily a marijuana retail location, but certainly a retail location. So you'd use terms, let's say, around, you know, this is a retail location for pain relief. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's a great example of it. Right. And so you'd build out, so then the retailer would have to build out content specific to pain relief that then when they want to learn more, feeds back into the e-commerce platform. That is one of the more successful strategies I've seen. It seems to be universally doable on Google and also on Facebook and Instagram. Right. And when you're doing that for a retailer and for, you know, with the way the search engine algorithms work, and of course their bots are going to follow all the links on the site and everywhere else, it can't all just point right back to the dispensary for every single piece. So how do you give them that moment of, you know, that deniability? Oh, we, yeah, we do that. But we also are talking about health in general. Do people have to go and point to anything else or it doesn't really matter? It, it's from what we've seen, and this is part of what our strategy is as well, it's about separation between the advertising landing page where, where the ads link to and the eventual e-commerce website that the dispensary would use to sell through an SEO or an organic channel. You have to have a series of, of different uh, pass-through websites in order to get the person from ad to completed purchase. So that's how most of the, of the businesses out there are doing it, whether it be through multiple age gates or sign up for my loyalty program with a JavaScript redirect. I mean, like I said before, the policies are not encouraging are not discouraging those from advertising. They're encouraging them to do it in very deceptive ways. And that's unfortunately the, the only solution right now. I will tell you, it does seem to be getting more lax, Richard. I mean, clearly Google is hurting. I think I think I saw in their last like quarterly statement to their their investors that they've actually begun to lose money in the in the ads division. 
Uh, clearly, that's not something that they want to see trend uh, another quarter. So they are. No, I mean, Google can't it. afford to have ads not be a moneymaker. And it's not, I don't think they're losing particular. It, it's sometimes a bit of an accounting thing. It's still a massive revenue driver. It's just not gaining as much as they would have wanted it fundamentally. So they've got a bit of a cost, uh, you know, cost imbalance there. But, um, you know, for the cannabis retailer, those are opportunities. And of course, we all are concerned also about the what's changing and you know the safe funny enough safe banking as it comes through will alleviate some of these issues because one of the problems for the ad networks is their own banking the bank a lot of the banks will go to them and say you can't do this because this is prohibited under these areas and then we can't transact now some of the companies are big enough they almost are their own bank so they don't care but a lot of them you know, even then, they still have restrictions. So the Safe Banking Act, funny enough, will help cl clear up part of this business. If it goes to rescheduling, uh, though, like people were talking about going to uh, Schedule 3, it's going to change fundamentally how people are allowed to advertise. Are you thinking about that? You know, part of my job is to, is to be always thinking about that, how these regulatory changes will impact the business and, more importantly, my, my customer's business. I do think it will continue to alleviate some of the strain that's on the business right now from an advertising standpoint. But, you know, I don't have incredibly high hopes either. I mean, they seem to have drawn a line in the sand. We do not want these products on our service, on our, our websites or using our services. Right. I, I think they'll continue to, they'll be, I, I think it will make it easier, but I don't think it will make the problem much smaller right away at least. Yeah, it'll be interesting because uh, <clears throat> when you change the regulatory framework, you know, it's not just, oh, this plant becomes possible, it's easier to handle or it's easier to have get into a consumer's hands. It's every step along the way, the business model changes, the expectation changes, but also, um, you know, what everybody who's dealing with you will change. And for you, that's, that's going to be really interesting because it's going to open new doors, but also make some things a little less viable. And that, you know, and that can be good because you can get into higher and higher margin opportunities as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I look at what Google and Facebook are doing is like the 1980s era war on drugs. We're just pouring money to prevent these things from happening. And it's just getting the people who are peddling advertising in this situation more creative on how they get through the uh, barrier wall. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you've got you do, I'm sure, you know, a ton of strategy work uh, independently. I know I've been asked um, by a couple of groups to look to prepare a strategy report for how they have to change their digital side if it gets rescheduled and you know they're thinking about it and it's going to impact every single area because it impact how they spend they can spend more than into digital channels which is great for people who are doing the implementation of programs but it's also going to change you know their content their on-page optimization and their whole flow of their customer it's going to be fascinating it is i mean the one thing i can say is that even with rescheduling and the Safe Banking Act, Google might not have as fierce of a stance against like CBD and THC products, but they are in no way going to let people advertise smoking of any substance. I mean, they've, they've made that very clear with cigarettes, very clear with vaporizer companies that are non-cannabis. Mm -hmm. But it will definitely open up the doors for edible products, capsule. I mean, there's definitely SKUs that will be positively impacted by some of this change. Exactly. And you may not be able to, people may not be able to advertise a smokable product directly on Google, but they're still going to be able to advertise the product. And then when you get there, consumers are going to make their decisions about 
what they want and Google's not going to interfere with that because it's not advertising the smokable on Google even though the customer ends up there and that's you know um, you know it becomes a whole other uh, discussion about what they what they do and don't allow exactly and uh, that's a phenomenal thing though for businesses to start planning for because you know as a digital marketer as you know like it's you don't make the change today so that it takes you know it's in place tomorrow you're looking at things for what am I doing that's going to affect the business a month six months and 18 months from now what your customers who are speaking though with the dispensaries they're seeing the immediate changes what about the changes that are going you know how are they planning for the six and 12 and 18 months out yeah, you know that's that's a great question as well. I, I I think I think the ones that are that are planning ahead and have really put thought into this and how things will change are the ones that have already hired or have begun to hire a marketing director for their business. You really need someone who works internally to the business for you as an owner who knows these digital channels and knows how to manipulate them, knows how to work them, knows how to manage the agencies or marketing companies that you're working with. That that is the first blocking and tackling drill that dispensaries or smart are already underway with. The second is, and this, you know, this might sound self-serving, but it is the truth. Having an e-commerce website with native menus is a phenomenon only in this industry right now. Yeah. Within two, one to two years, every single dispensary in North America will have a website with a visible menu. Uh, the ones that get first mover um, momentum now will be the ones that benefit the greatest early. But mm -hmm. ultimately, you're going to be competing against all of your competitors with essentially the same technology stack that Ranked Really High is building today, whether we build it or not, it's going to be a reality. Every single car dealership in, in North America, whether you're a small mom and pops or Gelp and Ford, the number one Ford dealer in the world, has a website page for every single product in stock, has a page for every single service that they offer. This is this is something that's to be aware of and be already investing in, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll just say one one additional thing, which is for any retailer, you know, dispensary who's listening is <clears throat> I've been inside large businesses. I've been outside consulting to them. I've been all over. The ones who perform the best are the ones who work with companies like yours and the digital marketing agencies as an adjunct to their in-house teams because your in-house teams can't keep up. But the teams that are outside are looking at everything because they have to. And they don't get fixated on one little thing. They actually look at the overall business much more efficiently than somebody in-house. And so when you're working with people and giving them the advice, you're able to give them much better advice than, you know, you say like a CMO or a digital or somebody in-house who's doing the work. They need you to keep perspective because otherwise they lose it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, Dan, we are at the end of our time for the day, but I'd like to thank you for joining us. And this has been really interesting. Well, thank you for the time here today, Richard. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, and I uh, hope to have you on again soon and uh, to see great things and changes coming out uh, in the marketplace. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky, and we'll be back again with you shortly.